Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then... Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Brad Bishop just began supporting independent tech news directly, getting us closer to one more patron than last month. Want to help Brad help us do it? Well, become a DTNS member today at patreon.com slash DTNS. This is the Daily Tech News for Thursday, June 6, 2019 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, I'm Sarah Lane. From Oakland, California, I'm Justin Robert Young. And uh, from a sweltering L.A. County edge city, uh, I'm Roger Chang, the show's producer. We missed you this past fortnight, Justin Robert Young. We it's good did. to have you back. I'm very glad to be back uh, after a little sojourn to the sun-dappled shores of Italia. I'm uh, I'm good to be back. I'm well, very Benvenuto, or however they say, <laughs> welcome back. Buongiorno. Uh, and uh, we're going to talk about Google Stadia. We got the details. We know how much it's going to pull out of your pocketbook, and it's probably more than you thought. But there's some reasons. We'll decide whether we think they're good enough reasons or not. But let's start with a few tech things you should know. As somebody in the Black Lodge once said, I've got good news. The FCC <laughs> voted unanimously Thursday to let carriers block robocalls by default. The FCC also voted to move forward on a proposed rule requiring carriers to adopt the shaken stir caller ID authentication system if they don't voluntarily adopt it themselves by the end of this year. The rule doesn't require carriers to turn on robocall blocking by default. It's something that they can they can decide to do, opt in. Also doesn't require those services to be free to consumers. Google announced updates to SOS alerts, providing more detailed visual information about areas affected by natural disasters like hurricanes, floods, and earthquakes. Google Google Maps will show this information. Earthquake visualizations will appear on desktop Android and iOS versions of the app with navigation warnings available on the smartphone apps. Flood visualizations are coming to Android desktop and mobile version of Maps with hurricane visual forecasts available on all platforms. 
Huawei signed agreements with MTS Telecom to develop 5G networks in Russia over the next year. MTS said it expects the pilot launch of 5G networks in Russia to start later this year. And China granted 5G licenses to state-owned telecoms China Mobile, China Unicom, and China Telecom, as well as state-owned broadcaster China Broadcast Network. The telecoms have planned commercial deployment of 5G service in China for 2020. Uh, If you're keeping track, telecoms in the UK, US, and South Korea have already launched their 5G services, although in limited areas. All right, let's talk a little more about an algorithm that's a boon for video editors and possibly a problem for society. (laughs) Yes, George Lucas's beautiful dream is now a reality. (laughs) An algorithm developed by scientists at Stanford University, the Max Planck Institute for Informatics, Princeton University and Adobe let a user alter text in a transcript in order to change what a person in an accompanying video says. The algorithm learns the speaker's characteristics from the original video and creates a model of the speaker's head to attempt to replicate movements and speech. Right now, the algorithm needs at least 40 minutes of video for training. For an example, Tom, let's go ahead and take a look at what it does. All right. So if, if you're on the audio, the, the listening will be just as good. Uh, but if you're on the video, you, you should be able to at least get a, a, a sense of what goes on. Uh, this is a person saying, I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Then they just edit it. They edit the word napalm in the transcript to make him to, to take phonemes that they've learned from this same person's other videos and have him say something else uh, using this algorithm. Here we go. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. I love the smell of French toast in the morning. So there you go. He loves the smell of French toast, not napalm. Although I guess you could make French toast with napalm. Uh, The idea here was what's funniest about this idea to me is I went to my wife, who's a video producer, and told her about this and she's like oh that would be so helpful like if somebody says a name wrong or yeah. or you get the you get the release date of a movie wrong you don't have to go reshoot it you just go change it in the in the transcript boom you're done yeah i was actually editing an audio podcast recently and the host uh, just said the name of a company not super wrong but wrong enough where she was like we have to do it over and i'm like it's too much work. We're just going to cut off that sentence. You know, it's yeah. just, we, we, we were in one of those situations. So totally feel you, Tom's wife, on that uh, at the same time. And we've seen this more and more. We, we've been hearing all about this. Oh, we're going to start, you know, we'll never know what's a fake video and what's a real video because of uh, AI and machine learning. Um, but we are already seeing doctored up videos confuse people. So something that is very, very realistic, more and more so, is going to continue to be problematic. Well, let me offer a counterpoint, because as good as these technologies have gotten, I can't help but think that this is just another version of Photoshop. And I'm sure Photoshop, to, to a certain audience uh, at a certain point, felt like, oh, my God, we'll never be able to trust an image again now that they're able to edit it in this computer program. <laughs> and. Sure, there are doctored images that uh, uh, might fool people, but in general, we've caught many things because now we know what photoshopping looks like. I suspect there, there I, and there are telltale signs of yeah. I, I suspect that this will uh, uh, go forward. As much as we've had a lot of conversation about doctored video over the past few weeks, I don't think that there's any confusion that it is doctored. The question is how people are reacting to a 
edited. Well, and there have been uh, conversations about how you could embed some sort of a data point within a doctored video because a company who's creating this technology is not going to be like, we want to, you know, politicians to say these bad things, right? Like that's not what the front facing reason for doing this would be. So if there would be some sort of way that you could kind of look inside and be like, no, this is a doctored video. Okay. We're all in agreement on that. Then it would make people feel better, but that's complicated as well. Yeah. But there always are traces of that sort of thing. And that the uh, developers of this algorithm said that they're like, there will be ways to tell whether this has been done to a video or not if you really want to get forensic about it. Uh, and like you said, we deal with that with Photoshop. Uh, back on May 15th, we mentioned Microsoft had issued a patch for the Blue Keep vulnerability in remote desktop services for otherwise out of support versions of Windows, like Windows XP and Windows Server 2003. We talked about how significant that was. The only unaffected versions of Windows were Windows 8 and Windows 10. Well, Microsoft has continued to warn that this needs to be patched. They re- they sent out the warning again last Friday, and Tuesday, researcher Sean Dillon posted a video showing his working exploit. He hasn't given details because he doesn't want people to do it, but the workable exploit is estimated to potentially be as bad as WannaCry or NotPetya, which allowed vulnerable computers to potentially break into any machine on the same network. So if you have one unpatched machine, you can get into everything, whether they're patched or not. NotPetya is considered by many to be the most expensive malware attack in history. And uh, it's difficult in some situations where you're running critical infrastructure like a hospital to get this stuff patched. Yeah, that was my first question when I when I heard the story is, you know, you know, in, in what situation is it hard to patch a computer? But yes, hospital, great example. You're not just talking about one computer, you're talking about many computers, and those computers cannot have downtime. Yeah, and that's that's what's important about this is uh is that uh, it will not be easy for companies to patch this, even if they want to in situations. Yeah. Uh, so it's not as easy as like, come on, lazy people, just get in there and patch. Uh, but it's also really important to patch because this could be really bad and shut down an entire hospital or something like it. Ubercopter will begin helicopter service in New York City July 9th. These are eight-minute rides from a pad in Lower Manhattan, New York, by the Staten Island Ferry to JFK Airport. The service is only available to Platinum and Diamond Uber Rewards members, so people who are paying a premium already, Monday through Friday afternoon. So it's somewhat limited for now. But each helicopter can seat five passengers and be booked up to five days in advance or ride when you need it. Price will vary by demand, but Uber estimates an average ride will cost Cost between two hundred and two hundred twenty-five dollars per person. Two pilots will be on each flight for now. Uh yeah. Uh, aren't we all glad finally that we could take advantage of this for? Uh, <sighs> yeah, only I know. Two hundred twenty-five dollars per well, person. Well, because I'm first of all, I'm on Wall Street a lot. Sure. Uh, and I've got money to burn. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and I'm usually going to JFK on a Thursday afternoon, so this works well for me. This doesn't actually work well for me, but I love the idea of it. I would love to take a ride in an Ubercopter. Uh, look, as much we can Nelson laugh at the at, at the rich all, all we want, and we should, <laughs> but, uh, because that's what we the poor's get. Uh, but <laughs> I I don't I would be hesitant to say that anybody who has tried to get to JFK from almost anywhere in Manhattan, let alone from where I used to live in Hoboken, was among the largest pains in the butt that you will ever experience, specifically with luggage. So uh, I get I get it. The real question I have here is like. How different is this than if you were to just like uh, uh, something like this had to exist before? Like like Wall Street uh, uh, folks had to be getting helicoptered to oh, JFK. Oh sure, yeah. 
before this. I, I wonder what kind of benefit or disruption this really is. Like, it's, is this bargain basement for a similar product? Well, I think I'm, it's kind of like Uber Pool, but helicopter version, right? I, in the past, I'm not sure how many people were like, all right, I've got a helicopter. Who wants in? You know, it's, you know, if you're rich enough to have a helicopter option, then then you're going to be paying more than 200 bucks to get from downtown Manhattan to to JFK. My, sure. Yeah, my guess is Justin, you're right. There were there are services that do this for my guess is more money, and they have downtime, and Uber wants to take advantage of that downtime, which is what their software is really good at. Um, and uh, I, I think the most interesting thing about this to me is that you have to be a heavy user of uber so this just isn't about having money if you have money and that's all then you probably buy another service like you say this is about a perk for people like you use uber all the time you're our diamond member uh and so we're or your company pays for you to be one yeah 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 well i'm just saying you use it all the time you're our our platinum member. you're a diamond member and so we're gonna let you in to get this eight minute trip. They, they say, oh, all told, it'll probably take you 30 minutes because you have to get to the platform at Staten Island Ferry and then you have to get from right. the helicopter to, be right at your to your terminal. Uh, but 30 minutes is still much faster wow. than the one hour or maybe two hours it might take you to get to JFK I mean, otherwise. Even the LIE, which I'm a big fan of, is going to take a lot longer than this. But again, 200 bucks in a pinch, I'd probably pay it. Hopefully, I I manage my time better than that. But yeah, yeah, I will say, in terms of their pricing, it is like (laughs) just north of where I would be like, ah, you want to know what? Screw it. Like, I'm I'm not riding the subway all the way there. Uh, I'm not getting a cab, which is, you know, not 200 bucks, but you know, those can get pretty pricey. Yeah, for Mm -hmm. sure. Google says it will acquire data analytics company Looker, the first major acquisition since former Oracle exec Thomas Kurian took over as CEO of Google Cloud in November. It's Google's fourth biggest acquisition ever behind DoubleClick, Motorola, and Nest. Looker analyzes data across multiple cloud services from multiple companies like Salesforce, AWS, Oracle, and Microsoft Azure. Similar competing services to Looker include Microsoft Power BI and AWS QuickSight. Google needs to offer services like this to gain market share in cloud business. Kurian has previously said he wants to hire more salespeople and target retail and finance industry. Yeah, the big deal here is that uh, Google needs a hedge. Uh, we're not saying its ad sales business is in trouble right now, but right now it is overly dependent on its ad sales business. And cloud is the most likely section of Alphabet's whole company uh, to make up the gap. So bringing in Kurian and him saying, you know what, we're going to go after this. This is the first step of going after it is to buy a company like this that is cross-platform and Google can say, yeah, we've got a hybrid cloud offering already. Doesn't matter what you're using. We've got a product for you. Uh, It puts them in one more place where they can be competitive with Microsoft and Amazon in this space. They absolutely need to. And I think that when we look back at the story of Google, the fact that they were not on cloud stuff earlier is going to be a real missed opportunity because they they were a company that was famous for how much uh, cloud storage they had. They, and, and they kind of, for philosophical reasons, went away from it that we're going to get into with the Stadia a little bit later. Yeah, uh, Amazon did it in a less expected manner, right? They're like, hey, we have to do all this cloud stuff for our retail operation. Uh, Why not turn that into a business? Google should have easily done the same thing. But like you say, 
philosophical reasons. Uh, Microsoft President Brad Smith wrote an open letter to the U.S. Congress last year asking for proper regulation of facial recognition. You may remember us talking about that. Uh, Microsoft has even blocked sales of its facial recognition technology to California law enforcement. So they present themselves in their speech as well as their actions as a company that's trying to be very responsible about facial recognition. Well, now Microsoft has deleted a public database meant for meant for training uh, algorithms, the MS Celeb database. It contained more than 10 million images from 100,000 people. Now, Microsoft published it in 2016. It was, at the time, the largest publicly available facial recognition data set in the world. It was meant for anyone who was working on facial recognition technology to have a safe database that they could use for training. These were public figures, uh, and all the images were Creative Commons licensed. So Microsoft felt like, okay, this is probably okay. However, Berlin researcher Adam Harvey uh, told the Financial Times that he found some images in the database that were arguably private individuals. They may have been journalists, but not that well publicly known, etc. And Microsoft has now deleted this database after an investigatory report from Financial Times came out. Uh, the report was on facial recognition in general, but included a lot of references to Microsoft's activities. So, the, you know, the question is, is Microsoft just doing it because it's the right thing? Or is Microsoft doing this because they got the bad press from Financial Times? Or is it both? Probably both. I'm going to guess both. You know, the Creative Commons license part of it is you kind of have to say, well, I mean, Microsoft was doing everything above board, it seems. If, if, if somebody is arguably a private citizen and not a public figure, and that person was arguing that for themselves, I could see that. Um, I, 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 I think mm -hmm. a lot of this is pretty subjective, though. Right. Uh, in, in other words, someone saying like, I don't know if this person would like that their image is in this database. That's that's not a big deal if you're someone whose photograph is everywhere. You're like, you know, what? My everybody knows what I'm Jennifer Lawrence. Everybody knows what I look like. Right. Uh, but if it's somebody who, who isn't like that, maybe they get icky about facial recognition. But it wasn't them that caused this. On, on the other hand, I, I think you're right. Justin, I think it's both because Microsoft took the step of saying, you know what, we're trying to be good citizens on this. And if there's even a hint of a question, then we'll get rid of it. Yeah. What a crazy world Microsoft uh, uh, is in right now, considering like all these other companies are being rung up for antitrust, you know, or, or they've, they've done that rodeo. They're, yeah, they're like, you know, uh, uh, like the Marlboro <laughs> man, they kick on back. Yeah. They, they watch the, the sheriff hauling somebody into the caboose going, yeah, we've been there. Yeah, uh, Folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, be sure to subscribe to DailyTechHeadlines.com. All right, we got the details on Google Stadia. It's going to launch in November in 14 countries. And as a Founders Edition member, uh, you can start your pre-order right now. You pay a one-time fee of $129.99 or close to that in your local currency. And you get a Stadia controller in limited edition night blue. A Chromecast Ultra, three months of Google Stadia service for free at no extra cost, and a three-month buddy pass for one of your friends. You also get first crack at your Stadia name if you're in on the ground floor. You know he's going to take your gamer tag, uh, or Stadia name, as it's called here. After the three months, the service will cost $9.99 a month. Streams for founders will be at 4K, 60 frames per second with HDR and 5.1 surround sound. 
The service will launch with at least 31 titles. They mentioned 31 titles today, but they say there are more to come at E3 next week. Uh, Those titles have to be purchased separately. So you got to pay your $130, eventually your $10 a month, and buy your stuff. Prices will be set by the publishers. However, a Stadia Pro subscriber will get discounts on games and occasional free games starting at launch with Free Destiny 2. Devices supported at launch in November will be the Chromecast Ultra, the Chrome browser, and the Pixel 3 and 3a, though they say they will expand that support to multiple devices as they go along. And sometime next year will be the kind of real launch. Uh, Sometime in 2020, subscribers will be allowed to sign up for Stadia Pro without purchasing the Founders Edition package. Uh, There will also be a free tier called Stadia coming next year. Stadia Base will launch at 1080p, 60 frames per second, stereo audio. Uh, Google says you probably need about 10 megabits per second if you want to get 720, 60 frames per second, 35 megabits per second if you want that full experience at the pro level with your 4K, 60 frames per second. And this works on Wi-Fi and Ethernet, but not on cellular. Even if you're on that pixel, uh, you want to be connected to Wi-Fi to make this work. So keep in mind that if you want to buy one of these controllers on its own, it's 70 bucks. And if you want to buy a Chromecast Ultra, it's around 70 bucks. So $130, you're getting hardware worth more The Founders than Edition what, is good value. Yeah, what you're paying yeah. for, unless you're like, I already have a Chromecast Ultra, right? But a lot of people still won't want to put that money down right away. The subscription model is also curious, and I, I've seen this echoed uh, around the you know the, the gaming corners of the internet of people that I follow who care a little bit about titles more than I do, which actually means a lot. But uh, the idea of, well, we're also used to this sort of monthly subscription and renting, and that's the way that we're, 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 uh, uh, that's the way that we use media, whether it's audio or video or gaming or, or otherwise. And the idea that you own all of these titles, do people really want that? And is this price reflective of that? I've also seen people say, 10 bucks a month, that's great. I mean, you're undercutting your competitors for sure. And that makes Stadia really impressive right out of the gate. Well, 10 bucks a month to just get on the service, right? And then right. paying... For whatever the game is. But if you are. compare it to like PlayStation Now, stuff like that, it's yeah, you know, it's not that far off. Um, no. And there will be a free version eventually if you're like, oh, I don't I don't want the 4K. I mean, this this is this is a console replacement package, right? Yeah. Yes, you can just use your Xbox controller and a Chrome browser and do this without having to get the founders edition. And that's what that free tier is for. Uh, or the person who's willing to pay $10 a month but doesn't want the 130 This 130 is, we needed to limit the number of people who flood into this thing right at the beginning, but we wanted to make it worth their while. Yeah. You know, and this kind of gets to what we were talking about a little bit earlier. Google has had a, philosoph- a philosophical uh, uh, love and, and prediction that has informed a lot of their decisions, some of which I think have now been proven to be at least over aggressive, if not faulty, in the idea that ubiquitous internet creates value. That if you can always connect to the internet, then there are things that we will be fundamentally rethinking as we go forward. And specifically for Google, when it comes to the cloud stuff, look, Google could have totally taken out the need for a company like Dropbox or Box or something like that. They had famously more storage than they could ever a uh, uh, thing to do with it's the reason why they were able to push products like gmail where 
kids buckle up. But back in the day, the idea that you would never delete an email was uh, something very exciting for uh, us old. But <laughs> there's uh, now they are moving this to gaming. And I think it's a very clever hardware to have the, the controller connect directly to Google servers. Hopefully, because right, it connects by Wi-Fi. If people don't realize that it doesn't yeah. connect by Bluetooth. So it hopefully solves some of the soupy streaming uh, kind of reviews that we've seen so far. But Internet's unreliable for a lot of people. And, and to me, it has always been a very interesting decision that Google has made in places where, you know, the Bay Area and Silicon Valley in general, like there are, you know, very, very good Internet connections. That's not the case everywhere. And I wonder whether or not, uh, you know, having your product, a paid service, be as dependent as uh, uh, Internet connectivity is, you know, wh whether or not that that is if they're right know, now. Uh, and especially when they're pushing the idea of, will you own this game now? Well, right. Because it's like, it's not in your hand. Like if and you, you know, only own it while you continue to pay for the service. Once if you just stop paying for the service, then you don't have access to that the, game anymore. So th this is my one thing. So uh, NVIDIA has something called GeForce now, which is also a game streaming service. But one of the features they allow you to do is if you own it on steam, you can play it on GeForce now. You're not paying anything additional. So if they allow a level of game portability, where you buy it once and you can play it in multiple services or whatever without having to repay. Granted, you would still pay the subscription, but if you don't have to pay the same 60 bucks for the same title, I think it would go a long but way. But they didn't announce that. I know, I know. Okay. I, I know. But that's I just want to make I'm, that clear I'm, if somebody got confused out there. Yeah. That, that, yeah, Roger no, is no, saying no. that would be cool if they did that. That is yes. not what they announced. Hint, hint. It would be very cool if they did that. Um, because there is going to be a point where everyone is like, hey, we all have the latest Tomb Raider. We have the latest Devil May Cry or whatever. Who do you want to buy it from? And then some guys say, well, I don't like this service anymore. I want to move over to that. But now I got to rebuy my entire catalog of yeah, games. But again, that's not what they're doing. So for so for, you know, you can you can wish and dream for the horses of Google Stadia to come someday to that. Is there anything about what they announced today that appeals to you? So the the, the biggest appeal is kind of the ubiquity. Right. So if I travel between here and my parents place, they have they have they have like 80 megabit down uh, Internet where they're at. I can just bring the controller and I can play whatever and I can pick up the game, right? I don't I don't need to be lugging around 30, 40 pounds of equipment every time I want to play. I travel for business. If the hotel I'm at offers some really awesome, you know, connectivity, I can play there and you know, kill 30 minutes instead of having again to bring something uh that is 40 pounds worth of luggage. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And I, I think some people will like that aspect of this. Uh, and you do get a, you do, you will get more than just destiny two for free. So there will be some free games popping into your account from time to time. sounds like people expect it to be about one a month, but we'll see if they commit to that. Uh, and Nick from Montana already wrote in and said, one of the most appealing and innovative features of Google Stadia is the controller, which directly connects to Google servers, bypassing the local machine and decreasing latency. It's one reason why you might want to get that Google controller instead of using your Xbox controller. But Nick says, I know there are a lot of us who grew up on PC games and prefer to play with a keyboard and mouse. Do you think there is a market for a Stadia keyboard and mouse that also directly connects to Google servers? This launch seems geared towards the console market, perhaps to outrace the next generation consoles. But uh, what about the PC lovers like Nick? I, I think that if we are all rooting for Stadia, then we are rooting for the world in which they do similar hardware because the other question is this, and this is another Google thing, when things don't take off the way that Google likes, 
very often these programs or these these projects go away. Uh, and and I that is something that cannot be discounted with Stadia now. I, I think that Google needs to earn the fact that this is a going to be a success. And if it I mean, has a rocky start, that yeah. it's gonna that that it's gonna continue to get the love and, and affection. I know everybody loves to hate on Google for that because Google Trips went away this week. Nobody was using Google Trips. If people not- use this. Gmail's not in danger of going away. Google Drive's not in danger of going away. I'm still annoyed about it. (laughs) But like, you're like the only one. I will say, I'm furious. Every day I go into my Gmail, I am just incensed and I'm enraged. Tom, you're right. It is possibly overblown. However, you cannot deny that it is something that goes in the back of your mind when you're trying to make a $100 plus purchase. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. A lot of gaming news and lots of other news that is submitted to our subreddit every day, and we love you all for it. You can submit stories and vote on others at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. You can join the conversation, too, in our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash dailytechnewsshow. Chris Christensen, the amateur traveler, is back with a tip for folks outside the U.S. who might want to ride hail and ride share longer distances. This is Chris Christensen from Amateur Traveler with another Tech in Travel Minute. I know that my tips are sometimes very U.S.-centric, but this is one that is going to be more Europe-centric, and that is BlahBlahCar.com. And BlahBlahCar helps you do ride-sharing, but not ride-sharing down the block or two miles away, but to another city. And so you can do a ride, for instance, from, say, King's Cross Station in London to Liverpool and do a search and find somebody who is going from one to the other and how much they would charge you and when they're going. You can say when you want to go and where you want to go. As you can imagine, there may be someone who is doing that route, but they're starting from 12 kilometers away from you, or they're not quite going all the way to Liverpool. So you may need some flexibility in terms of how you get to those different endpoints, but it can save you a lot of money. So check out blahblahcar.com. And this is Chris Christensen from Amateur Traveler. Uh, Thank you, Chris. Justin, did you take any blah blah cars when you were in Italy? We did not. Uh, There was Rome had a fairly efficient taxi uh, a culture where there were just taxi stands, well-known taxi stands where you could pick them up anywhere. Um, and then uh, in Sicily, we rented a car. Mm. Yeah, Check it out. Also, check out the mailbag. Let's do it. This one comes from Josiah, who says, wanted to share my perspective on the newly announced Apple login. I work for an education surf- service agency. A few years ago, we started making web and mobile apps. We've been using Google login for all of our apps because it's relatively simple, secure, and cheap free for our apps to handle login for many school districts. Those are our customers and have adopted G Suite for education. We can easily limit login to the email domain of paying customers. We use a site license model rather than a per user model. So you can have your school email that ends with at myschool.org. We don't sell any personal data from our servers, for, from our users rather. We're a nonprofit mission focused organization. If we're required to add Apple login to our apps, well, I'll take a wait and see approach, but my first reaction is to suspect it will not be optimal. I'm not sure we'll be able to verify users by domain if they use Apple login, especially if they use the hide my email feature. On top of that, their Apple login would likely be for their personal account and not their work account. And if that's the case, we'll either need to do a lot of extra work to include something that none of our customers were really asking for or slap the Apple login button there, but not hook it up on the back end and tell our customers to ignore it. 
The Apple login is a cool idea for consumer apps, but doesn't make sense for apps that require work and enterprise login. I'm interested to see where this lands. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell for sure if Josiah's app is an enterprise managed uh, service, which Apple offers, in which case I'm almost certain they won't force Apple ID on enterprise users. Every time they do one of these things like no parental controls, except for enterprise users, like they always let the enterprise users do whatever they want, because the whole point of enterprise management of devices like that is to have your own policies. So I'm going to guess that that won't happen. If you're not on the enterprise, though, which some companies do have apps for their employees that aren't in an actual official Apple enterprise, then you might run into problems with that, uh, which I, I'm curious how many other folks out there are in the same position as Josiah regarding that. Yeah, keep us posted, Josiah, and anybody else who might be in the same boat on how this all unfolds. Thanks to Justin Robert Young. We missed you, man. It's been a sad few weeks without your smiling face. What have you been up to since we last saw you? Well, a whole lot of nothing. A whole lot of uh, <laughs> uh, uh, drinking too much before 3 p.m. But uh, uh, other than that, now that I'm back on the grind, I am very happy to have retaken the reins of my political podcast, uh, Politics, 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 PX3 for short, from the very capable hands of one Tom Merritt. So thank you to all the DTNS listeners that came out and supported uh, Tom when he was talking uh, uh, politics over there on the PX3 show. Uh, I tried to do my best to honor some of his commitment to international coverage. All right. All right. Well, whether or not I did it right is is a different story, but uh, uh, we are back to our regular, regularly scheduled programming there at politics, politics, politics.com. Go ahead and look it up. No, I, I heard your international story today, and all kidding aside, I was, I was very proud uh, that I might have the, the slightest legacy on politics, politics, politics. I'll say, I've, I've actually gotten people that are, are, are clamoring for a more regular uh, appearance by, by Tom on the PX3 uh, in the PX3 world, so we'll have to discuss that. Uh, but also, oh, go check out the feed now. We have a whole big interview about why no presidents have facial hair anymore. Oh, fantastic. I can't wait and to hear that interview. Not, yeah, it'll ever come back. And thank you again for letting me uh, play in your sandbox there. That was so much fun. Uh, I hope people enjoyed it. Uh, I certainly did. And uh, if you. Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys. With good credit from a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. 
Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. would like to hang out in person with me and Sarah and Roger, uh, even Rich Straffolino and intern Amos are going to be at the Farmer's Market in Los Angeles on June 12th, next Wednesday, 4 to 6 p.m. Pacific. Uh, be there or don't because you can't. We understand. It's the uh, middle of the day. But hey, uh, it's an actual DTNS LA meetup, uh, 4 to 6 p.m. Wednesday, June 12th at the Farmer's Market right by the Grove, 6333 West 3rd Street, Los Angeles, California. Uh, if you'd like to find out about these sorts of things earlier, patreon.com slash DTNS. Our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. If you'd like to join us live, we are live Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2030 UTC. You can find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Back tomorrow with Chris Ashley and Len Peralta. Talk to you then. This podcast is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.